have the delegation of authority. So the team that I lead on top of the strategy team does all of the procurement for General Motors in North America, and we indirectly support all of our global operations when it comes to procurement. So we do all the direct buying of the energy for our facilities. Welcome to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast featuring conversations with leaders of the energy transition, hosted by Smart Energy Decisions founder, John Fiella. In each episode of Smart Energy Voices, John digs deep with industry movers and shakers to reveal insights you can learn from in their stories, personalities, and visions for the future. All right, let's dive in. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Smart Energy Voices. I'm John Faella, and today I'm thrilled to share a keynote titled How General Motors Hit 100% Renewable Energy in the United States, a Full Generation Ahead of Schedule. This keynote was delivered at our recent Renewable Energy Forum by Rob Threlkeld, a voice you'll probably be familiar with from earlier conversations. However, this is Rob's first presentation in his new role as General Motors Global Director of Energy Supply and Strategy. Here's Rob. You know, I'll touch base a lot on our renewable energy efforts, you know, as a company, but I'm also going to touch base on a lot of the other parts of how GM is really transforming that kind of ties into everything. You know, our vision is zero crashes, zero emissions, and zero congestion. And the renewable goal fit was actually our first bold goal as a company to set something out long-term into our future, ahead of a lot of our electric vehicle announcements that we've done recently and our ultimate goal of around zero emissions. So the renewable goal is actually a component of our broader efforts. And there is a slide in here, too, to as big as an energy procurement and purchaser of energy that we are, around seven terawatt hours. It is only 1% of our carbon emissions. So when we really think about zero emissions and scaling and all the efforts that we do in this space, it's critical as we transform the transportation industry to electric vehicles that we think about in the broad context of what we're doing, not just in our procurement efforts, but as well as we work with our policymakers, legislators, the state government folks, the utilities to really scale this up to incorporate a lot of what is really going to be an interesting my former boss actually had a slide every Friday that he highlighted out. You know, as a company, we've got a goal to be an all-electric vehicle manufacturer by 2035 of all of our light-duty electric or our light-duty vehicles. That's 12 years from now, and if you think about it, that's transforming in a company that has pretty much built ICE vehicles for 100 years into an all-electric vehicle manufacturer. And what's that going to do to the utility sector, too? So the two largest consumer, or I should say, generators of carbon are undergo a significant fundamental change uh, in the next, call it, 10, 12 years that we're undergoing. So I'm going to talk a little bit about GM's sustainability efforts and ultimately our renewable energy goals, too. But, you know, as we think about General Motors, we are committed to safety in everything we do, the customers, the brands, the technologies, and the sustainability solutions that we're really creating. And it is around our products and it's around our facilities and around the communities that we manufacture a lot of the products in. And more so becoming, you know, as you think about electrification, it's actually increasing our electricity loads. So you think about semiconductor manufacturing, what's required to the amount of energy that goes into those facilities. Battery assembly is really no different. In fact, it's even more so. Some of our battery cell manufacturing facilities that we've announced both in Ohio, Tennessee, Michigan, 
yet to be fourth one. The humidity levels in some of these areas are 1%. It's drier than a desert. You know, the battery cell technology requires that type of an environment, which increases our electricity consumption. So I've met the goal today. I'm going to have to continue to continue and continue to build this out as we move forward as a company. For everything that I know today, we've met the goal. But what I don't know is what we're going to look forward to into the future as we transform a lot of our sites uh, into EV manufacturing. As I mentioned, zero crash to zero emissions, the focus point that I've been really focused on from a company perspective and across our strategy, as I said, kind of my new role focuses on how do we think about our company as we march down the path towards zero emissions. Now, I have some other slides to kind of get, get in behind that, but it's really our people that are driving for us. It's working quite closely. One of the unique things, and I think I've mentioned this before, one of our presentations at, at SED as well as other sites or other you know, events, we have the delegation of authority. So the team that I lead on top of the strategy team does all of the procurement for General Motors in North America, and we indirectly support all of our global operations when it comes to procurement. So we do all the direct buying of the energy for our facilities, both scope one, scope two, and then obviously as we transform our products, getting towards a zero emission future. Anyway, I've set some bold goals. So I said renewable was our first one. It really was as we set our original target to get to 100% renewable electricity by 2050. We since accelerated that globally to 2035 and in the U.S. to 2025, and we actually just achieved that, securing the enough load to meet our current load, as I say, because what I don't know is what I don't know yet. But to become carbon neutral of our global products and operations by 2040, as I mentioned, we aspire to eliminate tailpipe emissions of our vehicles, light-duty vehicles, by 2035. And we have set a science-based target for our Scope 1, Scope 2, and Scope 3 Category 11, which is our vehicles. We are looking at what the supply chain and other efforts of that, but when I show you the carbon emissions, you'll see that it's the bulk of what our carbon emissions of a company is, and that's what it is. So when I look at the renewable goal, it is about 1% to 2% of our carbon emissions. 75% of it is use of sold products. So as we transition from our ICE to EVs and all of our engagements in the renewables front that we've done from a procurement strategy, engage with our utilities, engage with the regulators, engage with FERC and others as we think about how do we really position the grid, the transmission and the generation and the utilities to be a force to be able to transition to not only our own facilities to renewables, but our products and services and and ultimately basically the EVs, the charging infrastructure and everything. So this kind of gives you an idea why buy a lot. It is a small component of it, but we are very focused as a company in all of these aspects of our carbon footprint. You know, how do we really plan on achieving our carbon neutral goals? So it's decarbonizing our portfolio, as I mentioned. You know, by the end of 2025, we'll have introduced 30 all-electric models globally that make up about 40% of our production capacity, making battery electric vehicles. We're investing about $35 billion into our electric and autonomous vehicle programs. And as I said, the renewable goal is really from a top leadership down, really gave us the, the ability to say, hey, we can set these bold goals and we can achieve these goals too. So I've worked quite closely with our most senior level leadership team when it comes to this. I will say getting our first bold goal like the renewable one was not something that was a slam dunk. I had to go in front of our leadership team twice because when I went in with the first goal, I went in with it saying, hey, we're going to do all this great stuff around renewables, which kind of gets to our four pillar strategy. I went in about pillar two and I said, hey, we're going to do all this sourcing of renewables and we're going to make our company 100% renewable electricity. And our CFO at the time said, that's a great idea. However, I think you've put everything into one, your eggs into one basket, I wouldn't put all my money into one you know, area. So that really is what set us back to taking a look at the four pillar strategy and where are we as a company and how do we talk about it within our leadership team and how do we talk about it within our external engagements, whether it's through SED or whether it's with policymakers and saying, hey, collectively as a company, 
We've invested a lot in energy efficiency in our manufacturing operations, and we continue to do that. We invest now in renewables, whether it's on-site renewables, off-site renewables, direct investments, green tariffs, power purchase agreements. We've done all of those. But then how do we think about the intermittency component? The electric vehicle starts to play a big picture into that. And I've got a slide to how that's going to kind of start to factor into mitigating the gaps that renewables bring, because you're really taking a load and a generation resource. And then it's taking the scale of General Motors on the policy front to really say, how do we move the industry down the path of decarbonization? How do we truly get to zero emissions and working with organizations like the Clean Energy Buyers Association and other trade organizations and other state advocacy groups? Because a lot of this will have to take place at the state level as well. It's not just the federal level that's going to take place with this. So really leveraging our scale, not just as GM, but as an industry to try to move it forward. And, and you'll find even in the car industry, and you know, as mentioned, it's not really being about the only one that can get our sustainability goals, it's everyone. So it's really working with our suppliers. And I get back to the comment about the supply chain. And the reason why I say that is, yeah, I could green our supply chain, but I can guarantee you that supplier that's building a part for GM is building a part for Ford, that's building a part for Stellantis and building a part for Toyota. So how do we think about moving the entire supply chain down that path too? And it's something that's critically important because we've got long-term relationships with our suppliers. It's a little bit different than most of the industries. If we don't have that bolt, we don't build that car. We've seen it with the semiconductors and the shortages and the, that have come out as, as far as production goes. So we really work quite closely together as an industry to help drive that same scale into the supply chain side of the effort. As I mentioned, our renewable energy U.S. footprint is about 3.5 terawatt hours. You know, we've accumulated about 1,500 megawatts of renewables spread across about 16 projects that are across a number of states and RTOs. And we've been very specific looking for projects that are located within our manufacturing footprint, within the same utility footprint. So we've been very early on working with the utilities, coming up with green tariff programs and looking at ways to now expand those beyond just General Motors. It's one thing, you know, in Detroit Edison in Michigan set a green tariff the first time they did it, nobody signed up for it. And they came to us and said, why is that? They said, well, it costs double the amount of money. Why would I ever do something like that? This is where you need to be thinking about things. And then, oh, by the way, if you create a green tariff, not only should General Motors be able to sign on to it, you need to think about the scale of our supply chain. You should think about higher education. You should think about nonprofits. And one of the unique things that I found that came out of the DTE one was you had GM, you had the University of Michigan, you had a, some of the largest automotive suppliers, and you had the Detroit Zoo sign on to that tariff. It tells you something that there must be interest in the way that that tariff was put together. The next step for them is to really scale that up. They just filed their integrated resource plan in the state of Michigan. We're to get pretty integrated or involved with that to ensure that they continue to scale up renewables uh, that ultimately retire a lot of the fossil generation. So that's kind of leveraging our four footprints across our four pillar strategy across our company. It's also another thing. So as we think about carbon, it's understanding what is that carbon footprint. We obviously has commented that Electron is a different shade of color at a different time of day, at a different time of the year. And so how do we understand what that carbon footprint is so that we can think about what we're doing from a manufacturing footprint that ultimately as it relates to our transportation side of the business, how does that all integrate and come together? So worked with PJM to come up with a real-time carbon signal. Didn't know if you know this, but PJM is publishing a real-time carbon signal, no different than their pricing signal of what that carbon footprint is at the hub level. Gives us some ability to understand what our carbon footprint of our manufacturing sites are as we think about the efforts that we're doing both in our, ultimately our procurement of renewables, but what the facility load profile is. And as we think about the future part of our business around EVs and batteries, you know, how do we leverage that as an opportunity to drive that down to zero as much as we can? So that really helps us kind of plan out this accordingly. 
I mentioned virtual power plants. Didn't really mention this yet, but I mentioned that there is a slide coming up. This is really the key component. We did a soft launch of this, working with RMI, Google, and others at Climate Week New York, really started to think about how do the EVs become a pathway to allowing you to really decarbonize the power sector. As I mentioned, they're the load scale side. You know, They're the ones consuming the electricity. How do we then at some point in the future think about it? We've all seen you know, the four lightning commercials out there. You've seen General Motors has been doing a, a pilot project with PG&E up the coast. How does the EV become that pathway from a vehicle to grid aspect, vehicle to home? How do you access that energy? You as a consumer can't just say, hey, I want to sell all this electricity out of my vehicle and you got a ready buyer of the utility. So how can companies like General Motors aggregate up all of this load? You as the customer determine, hey, I have 100 kilowatt hours or I have X available because I'm only going to drive. Aggregate all of that up in a way that that can be bid into the market, both from a kilowatt hours as well as a KW. The RTOs that operate the grids love to see one big power plant. Well, if a GM or others can aggregate that in and say, hey, here's the dot. I've got 300 megawatts of capacity of X megawatt hours. It's available at this time of day. Generally, since that electricity has already been probably purchased at the low times of the day, you're selling it, avoiding the, the peaking side of the, the fossil generation. So think carbon footprint again, going back to the carbon real-time carbon tracking and, and et cetera, as I mentioned, it allows you to really start to see how you have an impact and how EVs can become a pathway towards decarbonization. So as we scale up as corporates, our renewable procurement as the transportation sector starts to decarbonize, this is an opportunity for us to leverage both sides of the equation, whether it's your fleets as businesses, whether it's your electric vehicle at home, linking that all together. It's not as simple as we can say as this, because as you can see, the barriers that are down there, the market policies, the retail value, how do you truly really value that, you know, on stakeholder awareness. So really trying to start to leverage that from a policy side because it's going to be critically important that we, that we do this in order for the EV to actually become an asset in the future that you as the customer see additional value from. Nobody goes around selling gallons of gasoline out of your cars today. It's a very complicated process, not to mention a quite unsafe process. However, with an EV, as we think pipelines to wires, you have the ability to do that. So thinking about that as, as an enabling mechanism. I also said, how do I leverage all parts of our business? So we have a whole GM Ventures arm, you know, as we think about technologies that are actually going to impact our business going forward, but broader as an industry. Now, you might think this is a pretty kind of crazy novel idea, but, you know, leveraging the GM Ventures arm as we think about offshore wind and other technologies that are going to be key to decarbonize the grid going forward. So we invested actually into a, a this is a Norwegian company, actually went over to Norway. They're pretty astute to knowing because obviously from the oil and gas they're pretty astute to offshore wind. Got to fly out in a helicopter and oil and gas flies out to the oil platforms. They took us out to some of these testing sites for offshore wind. And it's really interesting to see how they're starting to develop and think about that in Europe. And we're just starting to see it now in the U.S., uh, both floating and fixed. In this case, this would be for floating. But looking at how do we leverage GM Ventures arm of General Motors to think about other technologies that are going to help support decarbonizing, not just our own facilities if we wanted to sign on to an offshore wind PPA, but also as we think about vehicle transportation electrification. You know, one of the things that we've got a plan for now in this country and globally is low growth, whether it's electricity required for green hydrogen, whether it's electricity required for EVs, there is going to be low growth. So we got to think about we're no longer just retiring fossil generation and replacing it with renewables that we're procuring. We need to be starting to think about how does all of this factor into an all-electric really future as we start to 
electrify everything, not just the transportation sector. So leveraging the GM Ventures side of our business and think about other technologies that help scale up, not only to support our renewable goals as a company, but to scale up our efforts towards zero emissions. So this is another you know, avenue. As we think about it as companies, you know, do we have other parts of the business that we can actually leverage? And that's one of the key things I want to kind of comment to here. You know, there are other goals that we have out there, so it's not just focused on electricity, you know, but as we think about water and energy intensity goals that factor into that, you know, one of the key things that we have with the renewables, or we were talking about at the board meeting today around water intensity, you know, renewables have pretty low water intensity, if not zero, when it comes to wind and solar, although you do have to wash the panels potentially from time to time. But when you think about the thermal generation component of, of what we're doing, it is really leveraging all aspects of our business when it comes to that, you know, reducing waste and diversion and enrolling, you know, our supplier sustainability program, as I mentioned, it's thinking about it more collectively and then packaging manufacturing vehicles as a significant component. So trying to get 100% returnable. Think about some of our processes and, and our products that we make come from overseas and vice versa. We ship overseas. So how do we eliminate a lot of the waste associated with those efforts? I mean, vehicles are not a small thing to ship. And so how do we figure out ways to do that? Then it is also about expanding electrification, and I did kind of hint on this. So as we think about our path towards zero emissions and as we think about our renewable goals, and as we think about broad decarbonization of the transportation sector, we are investing into deals with Textron and the aerospace industry. We actually produce fuel cells with Honda, and we just started to launch our fuel cell business with that. With Wabtec, we've got a, you know, so think about your locomotives and fuel cells in the future. So we're working on that. We've got marine electric vehicle uh, with pure watercraft pontoon boats. Um, we're looking at from an electrification standpoint. Bright Drop, you may have just seen, we just launched and started building the first vans in Canada yesterday. In fact, uh, President Trudeau was up there and, and was highlighting with some of the GM leadership first vehicles that were running, rolling off our CAMI facility outside of uh, Woodstock, Canada, and then aftermarket. We are, you know, we were talking a little bit about this today. I think Victor and I were about transitioning. We actually are going to be building ability to take out your ICE engine and actually replace it with an EV or the battery and, and technology. So aftermarket sales around performance concepts, our cruise e-crate and some of the things associated with that. So it is about factoring all parts of our business as it relates to what we're doing when it comes to decarbonization. I mentioned the pg uh, you know, collaboration, I think it's going to be critical that we work with utilities and understand, as I mentioned, virtual power plant, how do we design the markets, how do we design the rates, how do we encourage customers ultimately to, to charge their electric vehicles or do it in a way that you can plug and just let the markets determine when to charge that electric vehicle and discharge that electric vehicle. So enabling the, the vehicle-to-grid technology, vehicle-to-home technology in one of the slides I did not put into here, but we've all seen the ever-increasing climate extreme events and disasters that are impacting the world. Your standard electric vehicle can run your home for 7 to 21 days, depending on how much air conditioning and other loads that you want to have. You know, you've got 200 kilowatt hours of battery pack basically in your vehicle that you can run your homes with. So it's another real avenue as we think about climate extreme events or potentially in the case, as we all saw, it's... <laughs> Unfortunate situation in North Carolina at the Duke substations, you know, your EV can become a means to actually continue to do what you need to do at your home or business. And as I mentioned, you know, as we think about vehicle electrification, as we think about the renewables that we procure as a company, it really is trying to fill in those valleys and peaks that are within the generation profile. This is working quite closely with our consumers energy folks that I bought out or took the, slide, the right one here that's filling the peaks and valleys out of the, uh, their My Clean Energy plan. But the old world, it was all one-way flow. 
Today, demand responses is somewhat, you know, mostly one way, but in the future, in all the really, if you think about vehicle transportation, electrification, and batteries, because we're creating a lot of the batteries as it is for our vehicles, it's doing a tr- truly distributed energy resources future. And so it is all about filling out those peaks and valleys and really trying to get to that average point when we think about the amount of investment that goes into the grid of the future. How do we eliminate some of that with the products and services that we're creating solutions for? As I mentioned, you know, smart grids, many of this, we've seen a lot of this technology, but some of the rates that we're working on with utilities is around passive, both time of use rates, efficiency of the charging, you know, which is potentially avoiding some of the upgrade deferrals as we understand how much electricity is in each of the vehicles at given times to be able to speed up, slow down charging. Some of the active demand, as I mentioned, demand response, reverse demand response, distributed resources and upgrade deferrals on that side of the equation. So it is trying to work quite closely with the utilities and understanding as we scale up the amount of renewables and how do the EVs become part of that. And as we think about that, you're actually improving the efficiencies in many ways of the grid because your thermal efficiency of power plants is pretty inefficient, the 30s to 70s, depending on how old the power plant is today as we transition to this in the future. The last thing I really wanted to kind of highlight here, you know, as we expand into this, we did just recently announce the GM energy side of the business that's enabling solutions in this whole kind of ecosystem, which is an important component if we truly do want to decarbonize both the utility and transportation sector and and ultimately drive a more resilient grid, because it is going to be critically important that we match these solutions as we procure more renewables on the manufacturing side of the business. And as we grow our portfolio of EVs that we manufacture, that there is another whole side of the business now that's focused on how do we make sure that we match that demand with the generation portfolio and continue to scale up our efforts towards zero emissions. And so this kind of gives you an idea of where the electric vehicle future is really going is in this whole vehicle to grid aspect, but it gives you the customer, whether it's commercial, industrial, or residential, the ability to have a lot more control of your costs, especially if you have an app on your phone and you basically set it for what you want to do on a daily basis. So I think to me, that's really one of the most exciting things I see coming forward on the vehicle transportation side of it is the ability to actually understand what your costs are. We all know what a gallon of gasoline is. And if you see 10 cents a gallon cheaper, you naturally will go to that gas station to fill up where your cost of electricity changes much more dramatically throughout the course of the day. So if you have the ability, not only does it enable customers but also the ones that can least afford it to become another avenue for them to think about it from the whole just transition component uh, as we go down the path of of manufacturing vehicles for all parts uh, of the industry. And the last thing, you know, I wanted to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, the workplace charging and efforts that we've been really focused on around branding, customer experience, reliability, power, and maintainability. We all know, you know, Tesla's got pretty much their charging network, but how do we as the industry, the other automotive companies work quite closely together to really ensure that you have that same type of experience out there? And so there is a lot of work going on, both the branding, each company may brand their own things, but think about the customer experience. For us, for our employees and those that visit our plants, it's going to be free, easy, and consistent. You plug in, it charges. You know, there's no going to be download this app. It's not going to be download this. So from a GM experience, from our employees, we want to make sure that we have the reliability there. We want to make sure we have the power for the charges to keep up with the vehicle portfolio as we transition the fleets and the maintainability for our, our facilities as well. Because we do, in the organization I work in actually is our sustainable workplaces organization. So we actually do the maintenance aspect of this too. 
And this just kind of highlights, you know, Jennifer Granholm, obviously governor of Michigan, a former governor, I should say. She was using pretty bro, even though she picked a Canadian Cami assembly plant where the bright drop is made. But she did tweet out, you know, the efforts that we're working on in this space. Kind of interesting as you see live time and you go, hmm, interesting. Cami Ingersoll, there's a Canadian little red leaf on there. But hey, it is what it is as we go forward. You know, it's, it's good to see the recognition, but it's good to see as we continue to work together and the leadership of the administration is, you know, really focused on it. So I wanted to kind of provide a little bit broader picture of not just the fact that we met our renewables goals, we think about our four pillar strategy, but how it integrates across our business. And I think the most important thing I would say that I would say as a takeaway is Think about your whole business as a whole, as an enterprise, and what are the different parts of your business if you're getting into different aspects? How do, how do you leverage that and the goals that you're trying to set as a company so that you see the broader picture? I think that's one of the key things that I've worked with our senior leadership team is connecting a lot of the dots and as it relates to our business in the comprehensive view as an enterprise. And it really has allowed them to think about things differently in ways that have allowed us to accelerate goals that we've done. Thanks very much, Rob, for this keynote presentation and your ongoing involvement and activity with Smart Energy Decisions. And congrats, of course, on all of the incredible success that you've had at General Motors. I'd also like to thank you, our community of listeners, for listening to Smart Energy Voices and being part of our community. If you enjoyed this episode of Smart Energy Voices, Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and tell your colleagues and peers about it. And to learn about how you can become a part of the next Smart Energy Decisions event, click on the link in the show notes for more information. We're honored to have the opportunity to share conversations with leaders of the energy transition in this podcast, on our website, and at our events, all in the interest of helping you make smart energy decisions. Thanks for listening to Smart Energy Voices, an SED podcast. Digest the insights from today's episode and take action on the ideas that have inspired you. Join us every Friday for conversations with smart energy leaders. To keep up to date with trends and happenings in the energy transition, visit smartenergydecisions.com to register for our daily newsletter and become part of the Smart Energy Decisions community.